Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another all-new edition of Geek2Me Radio. Today we are joined for the whole hour by Yakko Warner himself, Rob Paulson, talking all about his incredible voiceover career, his work both doing the Turtles and now directing the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We'll get into all that and more. Stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. For those of you listening in the St. Louis area on 105.3 FM and 1380 AM, thank you very much for tuning in. If you are hearing us outside of St. Louis, streaming us online, thank you very much for finding us and listening. And of course, if you're hearing this after the fact in the podcast form on Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes, or Podomatic, we welcome you. Thank you for subscribing and listening. The show would not be on the air without the help of our premier sponsor, the City of St. Charles. You can check out their website discoverstcharles.com. All sorts of things to see and do, places to eat, places to shop. It's just always something going on in St. Charles. It's a great place if you're outside the St. Louis area. It's a great place to come in, stay at one of their bed and breakfasts, one of their many accommodations around town. You can, uh, all sorts of things, especially now in the summer coming up, There's it's a nice time to go out there, enjoy Frontier Park, uh, look at the historic markers on the buildings. Take in a nice stroll up and down Main Street. Get a glass of wine. Sit in the patio of some of the dining establishments uh, with some authentic Missouri wine. For the history buff, for the person who wants to get out and bike right up and down the Katy Trail, for people who just like nostalgia, for people who enjoy quaint places to shop with things you won't find anywhere else, Historic St. Charles has you covered on all those fronts. The show would not be on the air without their sponsorship, without their help, and we're extremely grateful and uh, we want you to check out the website, discoverstcharles.com. We are going to jump right into it. We uh, were fortunate to get an interview with Yakko Warner himself, Rob Paulson. He voiced uh, Pinky, also in the Animaniacs. J- just literally thousands of voices from your childhood. And let's go ahead and jump right into that. We are talking now with, uh, I was looking at his IMDb page, uh, and a lot of my voice actor questions kind of go by the wayside when someone has done this many projects. Rob Paulson with us right now. Thank you very much for taking time to be on air with us. My pleasure. Thank you for lowering your standards and allowing me to be on. Thank you. Oh, no, please. You're, uh, you, <laughs> like I said, I look over your resume and I'm just blown away. I'm like, oh my gosh, that was you doing the voice for Spike and Landy before time. And then, oh uh, my God, yeah. In the animated series Hydro Man, we just actually had Greg Berger on air with us this past week and he was talking about how he did Craven and Mysterio for that. Uh, and one of my yeah. normal questions is, is there anyone you haven't worked with who you'd like to work with? But looking at all your projects, is there anyone you haven't worked with? Boy, I, honestly, um, yeah, I, I would. Well, 
I've never done anything with the folks at the Simpsons and I, I, all of them, I should say not all of them, but most of them are good friends. Dan Castellan and Nancy Cartwright um, are are very good friends. Uh, I would love to be on that show. I don't think that'll happen mainly because they have such an incredibly wonderful core cast and they don't need me, but uh, that would be fun. Um, I, uh, I would love to work with uh, Seth MacFarlane on something. Although I think I did years ago at Hanna-Barbera before he became Seth MacFarlane. Um, I, but I, but, uh, not anything, uh, um, contemporary, contemporarily, I should guess is the word. So that would be fun. But you know, the fact is, I, James, I've got, uh, uh, if I were to die at this moment, it would be inconvenient for you guys. Cause you're talking to me, but, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've had a hell of a run and, uh, I, I've gotten to work inarguably in my opinion with the most, uh, prolific, um, most most wonderful guy in Hollywood creator, and that's Steven Spielberg. And I've been able to do that on yes. three or four occasions, and probably another one coming up. And I I'm so beyond grateful for that experience because I've I've been able to do it uh, in my own context. That is to say, in uh, a specific animation project, and with the most gifted actors in Hollywood. They continue to be my friends. Um, it just doesn't get any better. And then I'm in a position in my career now where I get to talk to nice folks like you all over the world. And, and it's just, uh, it, it is a remarkably wonderful way to sort of start the last uh, act. If I can be a, uh, you know, use a showbiz analogy of my career and my life. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm closer to the end than the beginning, but man, what a run it's, I, I got nothing to complain about. Absolutely. And I was fortunate enough to meet you twice now, once at a, uh, Dallas convention where you oh, yeah. and Maurice LaMarche oh, roasted yeah. Stan Lee in character as Pinky in the Brain, which may have been probably the greatest thing I've seen in my entire life. Oh, and we also ran heart. into you at Dragon Con this past Labor Day, and you've always got a crowd of people waiting to meet you. And now we're going to do it again coming up here with Planet Comic Con uh, this coming yeah. weekend. When you do these conventions, what is the most surprising thing that you find because like i said you've done so many uh, projects and great uh shows animaniacs is a big one people know you from that is there anything people recognize you from that you're kind of like oh my gosh i almost forgot i did that oh my yes uh, because i've i've been around for a long time i'm a pretty old guy um and there are uh show, for instance hydro man on on um spider-man you know i i i remember it now because people uh made a fuss over it and and it's a it, they should not not specifically my performance but it was a great uh, animated series a great action adventure show and but that was a long time ago and uh, that and gi joe and transformers honestly I, I will never forget that i worked on them because they were kind of at the beginning of especially gi joe and transformers were at the beginning of my uh, voice acting career but and they were they were very important to me but i didn't realize until maybe the last few years, the extent to which these characters have become so important. Uh, and, and, and mind you, they are important, but, but relative to all the work that I've done, they're, they're, they're a small amount. But uh, mm -hmm. it, it, regardless of the fact that they are relatively obscure in, in the pantheon of you know, animation, they mean a lot to a lot of people who are really into Transformers. We know how big that franchise is and same with GI Joe. And so they'll say, dude, you were, you know, you were, um, uh, air raid 
And I said, I was? And, and yeah, I've got your action figure. And I said, oh, my God, that's really cool. And I looked back and I said, oh, I was Air Raid. But that was 1983 or something, you know, 84. And um, so you're talking about something that's half my life ago. And um, I, it, it ends up being a wonderful experience because it, it, it's something that brings so much joy people when they find out that they're talking to the guy who voiced this obscure character from their childhood and and what an what an incredible gift to me what what a huge bonus a little extra icing on my showbiz cake you know that somebody says hey man this really meant a lot to me and and i had no idea and so now uh when those things pop up and in a more recent example is I did a character on a wonderful show called Rick and Morty. And I, I've done a few episodes, but I did one character called Snowball, who is a little, uh, a little dog talking dog in a mech suit that is, you know, he gets, he, 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 uh, um, um, sort of corrals all the neighborhood dogs to get together to, uh, to fight the fact that they've become essentially indentured slaves. And it's a really kind of funny, but also kind of, um, uh, deep has kind of a deep uh, connotation about that the dogs are are not like humans. You know, we we don't enslave. So we ha- it was pretty cool. But these, you know, Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland gave me this great gig, and it was a one-off character, and people freak out that I'm Snowball, and it's just the most wonderful experience because they come out there ostensibly to meet Yakko or Pinky or Raphael or Donatello or Carl Weezer or you know, the mask or Arthur from the tick or mighty max or all that other stuff. And then they find out that you're snowball and they lose their mind. It's great. It's great. And you worked, uh, during your career, both on Animaniacs and tiny tunes and even on justice league, the animated yeah. series with the great Andrea Romano, who was, uh, very, very kind. She, we had a whole show just talking about her career. And when we played the Animaniacs theme song coming back from commercial break, she, you could just, she'd laugh with this joy. She's like, I love hearing these songs and it brings back such great memories. Um, and she speaks so fondly of you and Maurice LaMarche and almost like you're her kids. Um, yeah. What was it like to work with someone with that great of direction and, and just uh, talent to be able to pick the right people for the right jobs? Boy, you said it right there. You you said the magic phrase to pick the right people for the right jobs. And the only thing you could add to it then is, and turn them loose. And that is the genius of a guy like Steven Spielberg, um, to, uh, part of, uh, I, I submit a big part of his genius is knowing to whom and how to delegate. Um, and yeah, he oversaw everything. And Tom Ruger, who created the show and Gene McCurdy, who was the president of one of those animation. They all of course were, were deeply, deeply involved, but they knew who to hire. And then it was just uh, a pretty remarkable experience. Andrea, uh, it, well, you know, because you've, you've had the pleasure of speaking to her, there, um, there really isn't, there really aren't enough uh, praises to sing and, 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 and none of it is hyperbole. She is the real deal, baby. And I've known Andrea since 1984. Um, uh, she was a, a casting assistant at Hanna-Barbera when I met her. Uh, in fact, I remember taking my wife and I taking our son in to meet her when he was six months old. He's now going to be 34 years old. So uh, I've known Andrea a long time. And um, uh, just like Tress McNeil, uh, Frank Welker, all these people I've known, Corey Burton, 
I've known Tress McNeil since he was a cocktail waitress, you know, in the late seventies. Um, mm. So to see all of them become who they are, uh, and their talent is unquestioned, and their acumen is second to none. But honestly, you know, having spoken to Andrea, what makes them really special is they are just delightful people. They are totally down to earth. Maurice Lamar, same way. Um, just the most gifted yet utterly pretentiousless people. And they'll talk to you all day. They are profoundly grateful uh, for the, the careers they've enjoyed. Uh, and as a result of nice folks like you, conventions like um, you know Planet Comic Con in Kansas City this weekend, we get a chance to go around the world and meet these people. And it just, it, it's, it's a meet of fans. Uh, and it's taken our relatively obscure careers and, and essentially... Um, put us on the map in, in, a, in, a, in a way that fans recognize us. And um, boy, oh boy, it's, it's pretty remarkable. But Andrea, I don't know, she's got, what, seven Emmys or eight? She's got so many Emmys, she dresses them in Barbie clothes, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> and she is um, just delightful, incredibly talented. She's recently retired, but I suspect that where there's something that came up that made sense to her, she'd probably go back and do it. But Anyway, we, we just, um, I just saw her a couple of weeks ago. We did an Animaniacs and concert show out here and she came to, uh, to see the show. And of course we introduced her and the audience went nuts and just as it should be, man. She, she's great. In fact, now I'm directing, um, the latest iteration of Ninja Turtles for Nickelodeon. And, um, uh, I've drawn a lot from my experience with her. I've never been a director. I've been a hired gun on the other side of the glass for 30 odd years. And, now I'm, you know, in the chair that she occupied for many, many years. So it's a, uh, I've had a pretty remarkable teacher, but, but moreover, she's just a, a dear friend and you, you're right. It's kind of like she was our, our, you know, although we're the same age, she, she did treat us like, uh, the children she loved so much. And fr quite frankly, we behave like children and, but that's what we do. And so, uh, it's pretty cool to have her as our den mother, you know? That, that's part of the charm of the show is that uh, there was yeah. just like listening to a bunch of kids running around. It seemed like uh, I think part of the reason people do love Animaniac so much is because that's just like all these characters represent our id and they're running around doing all the things we'd love to do. That was uh, such a great show. And now it's doing a reboot, uh, which is very exciting. And I, is that yeah. I know it's still in pre-production, but you've been doing these Animaniacs live shows. Has that something that's kind of come up? Uh, as a result of the popularity of these, was that something that's been in the works for a while and they just now started talking about the reboot? And we'll get Rob Paulson's answer to that question. Plus, we'll talk Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all that and more coming up right after this, so stand by. Hi there, this is Paris Strong, also known as Harley Quinn. Or Raven, and you're listening to geek to me Radio. We are back. If you are tuning in right now, we'd like you to uh, go out and see a movie. And if you're going to see one on Tuesday, why not check out Marcus Theater's $5 Tuesdays? Go to MarcusTheaters.com. They'll tell you exactly uh, where you can see a Marcus Theater. And maybe you're not listening to this in the St. Louis area. Well, that's okay, because they've got 11 states where you can find a Marcus Theater. Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, North Dakota, Ohio, Wisconsin, of course, right here in Missouri. And they'll tell you the movies that are playing. You can even buy your tickets right there on the website. You can get gift cards if you have a 
graduation coming up, you need to get someone for something. Or if you want to get a Father's Day gift, movie gift cards make a great Father's Day gift. You can go see a movie with dad. Go see Solo in theaters. Take your dad to go see Han Solo. Or if your dad, take your son to go see Solo. Maybe you grew up enjoying Star Wars. Now you can enjoy it with your kids in this Han Solo origin story out in theaters right now, uh, doing quite well. Tons of stuff. Animated classics. $5 admission Saturday and Sundays, 10 a.m. Mondays at 7 p.m. They got some animated classics are up there like the iron giant and american tale you can get all this information on their website marcustheaters.com check that out get movie information and more we were talking right before the break with rob paulson as we'll be doing for the entire hour talking about the uh animaniacs reboot and whether or not that was driven by or i should say the animaniacs live shows he's doing whether or not that kind of sprung up and kind of fed off the desire for the animaniacs reboot or if it was the other way around i know it's still in pre-production but you've been doing these animaniacs live shows has that something that's kind of come up uh, as a result of the popularity of these was that something that's been in the works for a while and they just now started talking about the reboot yes um on this it's kind of the latter part of your question um my randy rogel who is and, and this is another term that gets bandied about a lot in show business, but I got to tell you, after having 30 years of, of empirical experience, he is a genius. This guy who wrote, you know, all the United States, Canada, Mexico, all those songs, uh, not all of them, but all the ones I should most of the ones that people recognize Randy wrote one after another, after another, after another, and still awards for him as a, well. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't even know how many Emmys he's got, but, uh, and before he even started on Animaniacs, he won Emmys for his writing on Batman, the animated series. The guy is just really from another planet. And he also, he's, and he's a West Point graduate. I mean, the guy's just stupid. <laughs> he's got so much talent, you know, forget it. Um, but he and I have been, like the rest of us, very dear friends. And I'm not stupid, man. I, I look at a guy like that and I say, wow, all I got to do is sing these songs? Wait a minute. We, I think we could do these live and people would dig it. So we started doing it around L.A. and just Randy and me in a piano at clubs and have a ball. And we started doing it at theaters and people really liked it. And then Warner brothers was kind enough to give us a really wonderful licensing deal a few years ago, by which we were able to take the music of Animaniacs around the country and, uh, and do it. Um, you know, whether it's, we've done it with an orchestra, it's fantastic with like an 80 piece band. And it's uh, sometimes with a smaller band, like 40 pieces. And then we just did, uh, where were we just a couple weeks ago? Oh, we're in long Island. That we did it um, with Randy and me and a piano, and that is really a wonderful way to do it because it's a very usually like a seven eight hundred intimate size crowd, and mm. um, and it's just a blast because we we do about twenty songs, we answer questions, we do a Q and A at the end, we tell stories about how these songs that how they came about, songs that never made it to the show, and that is mind blowing when you hear the songs that were turned down, um, and we just have a remarkably good time. We uh, project the cartoons on a giant screen behind us and do them uh, a number of them in real time so that all the music and vocal stuff is, well, I take that back. If it's with a big orchestra, all the music and vocals are coming from the stage. If it's with a piano and Randy and me, the music is on the screen. Randy's playing and the vocals are coming from me on the stage, but it's all, you know, synced up and it's very fun. Um, but it's just uh, an awful lot of fun to do. And in the meantime, uh, Sam register, the president of Warner Brothers animation, uh, got wind of this and and we all got together and had dinner and one thing led to another and i don't know that our doing this was um integral to the decision to reboot the shows pinky and the brain and animaniacs but i think it it certainly helped 
to show the powers that be who who were not involved when Animaniacs was part of the of the Warner Brothers family. They showed that there was a significant fan base who was interested, and their and now their children are interested. And then the show ended up on Netflix for a year and a half and went through the roof. Um, and so here we were performing songs and getting all sorts of mileage from a show that hadn't been done in 20 years. And we got a, a multi-generational audience. We have people in our shows in the audience who are 10 years old to 70. And um, that's pretty cool. And it's pretty unusual. So I think that um, those two things kind of poured gas on the fire. And anytime you get Mr. Spielberg to say, Hey, you know what? I think we should do this again. That, that shows you that you've got, you really do have kind of lightning in a bottle. And, um, and man, what a, uh, what a beautiful, um, uh, serendipitous thing. And, um, I, uh, we hope to be, uh, uh, the other actors and I hope to be involved in it. They're you know chatting now between our respective agents, but, um, even if we are not, I would never bet against Mr. Spielberg. It's going to be pretty remarkable to be sure. And, and, and I think he'll probably do it the way they did before. Lots of, lots of musicians, lots of very cool, subversive humor. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they come up with. And yeah, when that, uh, when that was announced, that was the trending hashtag on Twitter for, I think about three or four days nonstop that Animaniacs was back. Yeah. People are very, very excited. And with all the voices you have done again, uh, so many original voices, uh, for example, Yakko Warner, uh, all the other ones you've done, Steelbeak on Darkwing Duck. When it comes time yeah. for you to do a role that has been uh, done by other people, we have a question come in from someone on Twitter at the Bloody Asylum asks, "How do you feel your adaptation of Riddler was influenced or compares to Frank Gorshin or even John Glover from Batman the Animated Series?" Oh boy, that's an interesting. Well, I have to tell you. Um, I, I, if there was an influence, it probably would have been Frank Gorshin because he was, he was quote, my Riddler unquote, because I'm that old. And, uh, I, uh, but I had also done a, uh, I did a, an animated version of the mask, uh, in the nineties. I was the Jim Carrey character for a whole lot less money, but, uh, it was great <laughs> fun nonetheless. And, and so that probably informed my um my performance that was a one-off i think on the lego movie thing and um i believe that was the one where troy baker played the joker i forgot was it steve bloom who was batman and i don't remember but um i uh i think in my case it was probably more informed by a combination of frank gorshman and jim carrey because of my sensibilities uh doing the mask and the mask was not too different in terms of bouncing off the wall and going all over the place than than uh, you know than Jim did as the Riddler. Jim uh, Carey in, the, in, in his version of the Riddler was pretty over the top, um, and uh, so in my case it wouldn't have been so much John Glover, although I know John and I think I'm getting ready to work with him on another project that uh, uh, my partner and I are pitching. We had a couple of meetings at Netflix next week, and John Glover is a remarkable actor, as we all know. And uh, that's also the cool thing about getting to this point in my career is I can call people like Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill and John Glover and say, hey, man, we're, uh, we're uh, 
putting this thing together. Do you want to come and, and work? And like, yeah, sure. Whatever you got, what do you got? Let's see what we got. I mean, that's, that, that's just cool that you can call those folks up and say, you want to play with us. Um, so I, I appreciate the person asking because um, that's another one of those things we were talking about earlier. That's a one-off. And the fact that somebody was interested enough to talk to me about something I did for, you know, an hour in a one-off uh, show is, is very flattering. So thank you for asking. No problem. Thank you. Uh, at the bloody asylum on Twitter. And I don't want to keep it too much longer. Uh, I do want to ask uh, originally when I was growing up, you were Raphael, the teenage mutant Ninja Turtles, yeah. uh, the most recent series uh, debuted in 2012. You were Donatello when you, now that you've played half of the world's most famous Ninja quartet, uh, and now mm-hmm. you're directing it. What kind of insights do you have? You've, you've played two of the characters. You're directing it now. What are your feelings about uh, the difference between the two characters and now that you'll be directing the series? And with that, we'll come right back, getting Rob Paulson's thoughts on now directing the upcoming Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series right after the break. So stand by. This is Matt King, the voice of Illidan Demon Hunter, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. And we are back. This segment brought to you by Tenacious Eats. If you are wanting to have some fun and get some great food, TenaciousEats.com is what you'll want to check out. You can buy tickets for their events, see their previous events, the menus that they do. Chef Liz will delight all your senses through taste and sight and sound. You'll get treated to a great movie. You'll enjoy a five-course dinner, each course corresponding to a specific scene in the movie. She goes through these movies, she views them several times, writes down ideas, and then she and her chef staff creates it into this amazing vision. It will be a delight for all of you. It's full contact dining. They do trivia uh, during intermission, so if you're a movie buff, they have fun games to play. Uh, There's a specialty cocktail paired with each course, so it's always a good time. And you can check out the website, tenaciouseats.com, for all the information. Right before we went to break, we were talking with Rob Paulson. And even though he's played a few different Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, this is his first time directing this new series. So we asked him his thoughts about sitting in the director's chair. First and foremost, the, the, the thing that continues to humble me is the fact that I got two shots, you know, two rides of the turtle van with uh with a franchise that is slight pun intended not only evergreen but but has brought immeasurable joy to i don't know hundreds of millions of people i i don't think that'd be impossible to suggest so it's just it's it's and it's it's as big now as it's ever been um having been part of it from a clean sheet of paper and then a 25-year gap and then i get hired to do it again and go through the whole turtle mania again with Seth Green and Sean Astin and Greg Sipes and and, uh, and Andrea Romano, who directed it, Mm -hmm. Um, and Hoon Lee. God almighty, what an actor. Hoon Lee, who played Master Splinter, was as wonderful as the um, um, incredible Pete Renaday, who played Splinter on the original show, uh, in a different way. And I love getting the opportunity and, and have, and very grateful to have, have done both. And the characters are a little bit different. And the thing that I think is most gratifying to me 
is that they don't sound a whole lot different. I mean, Donatello is a little nerdier than Raphael. Raphael is kind of a smart ass and certainly more like my own personality. Uh, Donatello was a little more docile um, and, and sweet and uh, kind of nerdy. But, uh, you know, Helen Keller could tell it, it was the same actor. Um, but what I, what I liked uh, about the experience with Donatello was that the audience would say, you know, I got to tell you, I really, uh, I really like this new version of the show. And I mean, obviously I knew it was you, but the characters are completely different. And, and I bought it totally that you were Donatello. In other words, my voice didn't get in the way. And that to me is a, that's a huge compliment because it means that I'm doing my job as an actor. I don't have to necessarily manipulate my voice and do something completely and utterly different for the people to, to buy the performance and buy the way the, the other characters relate to each other. Uh, it's the kind, it's the reason why people like on camera talent. It's why we love Jack Nicholson. We don't care that Jack always sounds like Jack, you know, he's right. He's who he is. And, and he's got it, whatever that is. And I'm not comparing myself to Jack. I'm just using the example that, um, when people say, Oh yeah, that's Rob Paulson. Wow. I really like this character. That's cool. That means I've done my job as an actor. I made choices. I made, um, strong, uh, clear, uh, decisions that, uh, we're in the context of, of excellent writing, and I want to make that clear. I don't write them. I don't draw them. I'm just an actor. But the combination worked really well, and it didn't matter that it was the same guy. Um, now, directing, it uh, again, having been able to watch what Andrea does and Gordon Hunt and other people like Ginny McSwain, Sue Blue, people I've worked with for 35 years, um, not only have I learned how to translate producer speak into actor speak so that the kids on the other side of the glass can understand it. Uh, I, I have a certain credibility now that when young actors, twenties and thirties and forties come in, uh, they, you know, they do, I met a really adorable man. We were, uh, first couple episodes we recorded with the new TMNT cast. It's Omar Miller, Ben Schwartz, Josh Brenner, and, um, uh, Brendan Michael Smith. And, uh, it was just the most wonderful thing we were working. Everybody was very nice, very kind. Nice to meet you. My name's Rob Paulson, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. We got about five minutes into it. And uh, uh, Ben Schwartz was on his phone uh, looking at something on his phone. And he said, holy, do you guys know who this guy is? Meaning me. And I, I didn't quite know what was coming. He goes, this guy's Pinky. This guy's Raphael. This guy's Yakko. This guy's... This guy's Carl Weezer. This guy, <laughs> and so it was just really wonderful to see all these kids on the other side of the glass all of a sudden turn into ten-year-olds. And, <laughs> and then what happened was immediately I gained, and it wasn't like they were not deferential anyway. They were very respectful, but all of a sudden they felt like, oh, oh, well, we'll listen to whatever this guy says. This this guy, this guy totally knows what he's talking about, and um, so. It's been a really, really wonderful experience. Um, and the uh, the four kids and the beautiful Cat Graham who's playing April O'Neil, uh, Eric Bowser as Master Splinter. They're just, they're, they're beautiful kids and incredibly talented, really nice and very funny, each one of them. Ben Schwartz is a wonderful writer, was on Parks and Rec. Omar's on Ballers. Josh Brenner's uh, was a regular on... Um, Silicon Valley, they're all very, very talented young actors. But the overarching 
experience of Ninja Turtles, and that's what I tell people. And I told it to Sean and Seth and these guys who who came on, you know, the second version that I worked on, is that you are now part part of something inextricably linked to something that is so big and brings so much joy to so many people. I don't know that it will eclipse anything you ever do, but I can guarantee you that it will add to your pedigree in a way that is kind of incalculable. And Rob Paulson had a lot to say. He's very uh, humbled and proud to be part of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle legacy. We're going to come back hearing more Rob's thoughts on what it means to be part of that legacy right after this, so stand by. Hi, this is Will Friedle. You might have heard my voice as Lion-O from Thundercats, Ron Stoppable or Batman Beyond, and you are listening to geek to me Radio. We are back. Still talking with Rob Paulson. We're very fortunate to have had him for the whole hour here of our show. Uh, obviously, if you grew up watching cartoons anywhere from the 80s on to now, he is just prolific. He's done so much work with so many of the greats, and I'm very thrilled that we were able to talk to him. I've met him on three separate occasions. I'm very fortunate. He's just the most humble, uh, incredibly warm man you'd ever want to meet. And right before the break, we we're talking about Turtles, the legacy of it, what it meant. And Rob Paulson had a lot more to say about being part of that legacy. When people find out that you're one of the Ninja Turtles, you find people who tell you what a, what a big deal it was for them when they were kids. You know, their mothers and dads have, have saved their Ninja Turtle shirts and their Ninja Turtle bed sheets and all that stuff. And now they're 40 years old and they, they, their kids are into it, all that stuff. And then you meet people who tell you and they get very tearful and they say, you know, but for Ninja Turtles, my childhood was a mess. And the only thing that I held on to while my parents were getting a divorce was Ninja Turtles or my, while my, my brother had, had leukemia, he and I watched Ninja, whatever. And, and it, it is mind blowing. So that character, those characters mean so much more to so many people than just an action figure. And uh, that is the, that's the magic of doing what we do. And that's the magic of being involved in, in a franchise like Ninja Turtles and probably thinking in the brain and Animaniacs too. It, it just, uh, uh, the, 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 the part of the equation that has nothing to do with money or action figures or ratings is the best part of what we do. And man, I, I just can't get enough of it. So it's uh you're talking to a lottery winner, my friend, and I don't take it for granted. Very cool. And we, that comes across quite well, just hearing you talk about these projects, the love you have for them. And thank you, by the way, for making Twitter a positive place. I never, you interact so well with your fans on social media, and I never, oh. you putting out any negativity. So bless you for that. Well, bless your heart, James. Thank you very much. I, um, you know, I, I, we can all try a little bit every now and then Twitter and social media, you know, again, being a kind of older guy and seeing all this stuff transpire and, and, and come along. It's, it's all really wonderful, but it's like the wild west out there. And like everything else, there's, I believe a certain amount of, of personal responsibility that, that is, uh, if I believe should be encouraged. And unfortunately, people say things that can be really remarkably hurtful and they can say it with complete impunity. And if I can just, you know, if I can be be uh, just a little bit um, 
kind of base and blue collar. You know, when I was a kid, if somebody started saying crap about your girlfriend or your mother, you'd find out who it was and you'd smack them. Now, <laughs> you know, now you, or you go, dude, what's your story? Why don't you tell, say that to my face? And I'm not looking for a fight. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, I'm, I'm five, nine and a half and a buck 50. I'm, a, I'm not a big guy, <laughs> but people start saying nasty things and, 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 and there, and there's no way to, um, to, to say, don't do that. I, I mean, you, you know what I mean? Like you can say that, but then people, as they say, troll, and all of a sudden you get involved in this absolutely unwinnable back and forth that does nothing but foster a bunch of negativity and crap. And so I just say, all right, great. If you, if you don't like what I do, fine. I'm not going to engage. But instead of telling me how much you don't like something that you haven't even seen yet, and that's starting now with the new Ninja Turtles, you know, it's going to be awful, you know, all of that stuff. And I've been through this so many times I can't even tell you. So I let them have their say and I say, okay, well, look, you can spend all day telling me and the rest of the world how much you're not going to watch what you haven't seen. I get that. And that is your prerogative. But just try for five seconds. What is it you like in your life? What is it that makes you happy? Is there anything working on cars, sports, your family, your dog, flower arranging, astronomy? What is it in your life that makes you happy? Why don't you put that out there for a little bit? Let's talk about how much you love, you know, building things. Okay. And that is really what I'm, what I'm, what I'm interested in. Not, not, there's plenty of negativity. My God, you're turning the TV and I can't even watch TV anymore because it's all bad. So if we have this free, wonderful platform to interact with people all over the world instantaneously, why don't we try to find something we like to talk about? Anyway, there's my two cents. I'll get off my soapbox. You've given me way too much time and I really appreciate it. No, I would, uh, like I said, I could probably talk to you for another couple of hours. In fact, uh, if you have another time before Animaniacs drops or before Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles oh, drops, or if you're doing a live show for Animaniacs Live anywhere near St. Louis, uh, you now have my phone number. So please reach out. Sure. We'd love to have you on air again. That would be great. Yeah, we did one in uh, Oklahoma City. Um, of course, that's not terribly close to you, but we're, I think we're going to end up, I know we're going to be in Chicago in a couple of weeks. Um, that's not terribly, terribly far, but, uh, we'll get to St. Louis or we'll get to uh, Kansas city because we're getting a lot of interest from major orchestras and, and what the, a lot of them do bugs on Broadway or the music of Harry Potter and all that, but they're starting to see like, wait a minute, you know, this is totally different. You're talking about the people who wrote and performed this music doing it live. We're not, you know, when you do the music of Bugs Bunny, of course, you don't have the composers and the performers and, if they do the music of Frozen, Adina Menzel doesn't come out there and sing it. But in this case, <laughs> we have the real McCoy. And, and it, it turns out that people really dig that. So I think we'll be around. And you bet, man, I'll, I'll keep in touch. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys uh, this weekend. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I've got my uh, Arthur figure and my Steelbake figure ready for you to sign. So I cool. will definitely be in your queue waiting to say hello. All right, man. Well, I'll be ready to, to do my dark wing doofus for you. No problem. <clears throat> Rob Paulson, thank you very much for your time today. My pleasure, buddy. Thank you, guys. I really, really am grateful for your time. Take care. And meeting him at uh, Planet Comic Con. Obviously, this uh, we recorded a little while ago, but we couldn't get it in in time before the con. So I saved it for a rainy day. And this was the perfect time to uh, let you know all about Rob Paulson his work. Uh, it was a pleasure seeing him again at Planet Comic Con, and he did indeed sign my Steelbeak 
action figure from my Darkwing Duck collection. Uh, just super nice, and uh, he knows how fortunate he is to have been uh, where he's been. We are going to wrap things up when we come back from break here with our last segment. I've got a uh, little demonstration for you as to just how talented Rob Paulson really is. So stick around for that. We'll be right back after this. Hey, this is Phil Lamar. Homies Conrad. The samurai known as Jack. And you're listening to geek to me Radio. We are back for our final segment. We've been talking this entire hour with the amazing talent of Rob Paulson, voice from your childhood, uh, currently the voice. He's still doing work on Rick and Morty. Uh, it's just amazing how much he's done. If you ever look up his IMDb page, he's got a ton of stuff. And speaking of ton of stuff, how about a ton of flavors? Popcorn Buddha, USA.com. They've now released their summer flavors. Flavors like mango and key lime are just some of their many, many, many flavors you can get. If you go to their website, popcornbootyusa.com, click through uh, butter flavors, cheese flavors, caramel flavors, fruity flavors, nutty flavors, all sorts of savory flavors. Uh, I can't recommend highly enough that Cajun bacon ranch. And if you are listening right now, just a little uh, tip between you and your Uncle James here. If you're checking out, before you hit that checkout button, use the coupon code GEEK, G-E-E-K, and it'll take 15% off of your subtotal popcornbuddhausa.com uh we were talking with rob paulson as i said and he was very kind at planet comic con i went to him i said hey can i get some a return liner for the show just hi this is so and so you're listening to geek to me radio feel free to riff off it however you want and here's what he ended up giving me check one two three is that okay is that a good level yeah that's good okay Hello, geeks. Yakko Warner here. The only show we listen to in the water tower is Geek to Me Radio. And that's why we're listening to it right now. Good night, everybody. <laughs> hey, God, Pinky of Pinky in the Brain here. And guess what? You're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Geek. <laughs> uh, let me see. <clears throat> hey, you guys, this is Raphael of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And after we've kicked Shredder's butt, we all get down in the sewer and we listen to Geek to Me Radio. Turtle power. Let's see. <clears throat> hey, you guys, Rob Paulson here, voice of your childhood, who also happens to be 147 years old. Go figure. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio because you're smart. Just an amazing talent. He did those voices back to back to back to back, and it's it's uh, just a huge grin on my face, I know, when I was listening to him. If you ever get that chance to meet him at a con, make sure you do it. You won't be disappointed. Uh, we are broadcasting live next week, not on Sunday, but on Saturday at 12 noon, live from Metropolis for Superman Celebration. We'll have some uh, fun reports for you from out there. So make sure you tune in Saturday next week with the replay will air on Sunday for those of you who didn't get the memo. So that's fine. So uh, we'll be in Metropolis talking to hopefully Brandon Routh and some of the stars of Krypton and more. Until then, my friends.
Warner Brothers backlot. Good night.